You are listening to Infinite Beat on Radio Valencia. This is your host, Topazu. And uh, today, I am so stoked to have one of my favorite human beings here in the show. <laughs> um, he's taught me a lot about music over several years. Um, he was in San, Franciscan, San Francisco's very own Miami. He's toured all over the world under the name Magic Touch making fantastic, uplifting house music. And uh, he's recently released an ambient cassette album on 1080x, uh, 1080p called Clouds of David. I have featured that on the show before. It's beautiful, beautiful record. And uh, yeah, I have Damon Eliza Palermo here in the studio. Thanks for coming. Hi, thank you. Uh, so I think... So I think for a certain bunch of us here in the Bay Area, in a certain age group maybe, or or um, a certain time period, I think, uh, Miami was sort of like the local access point of how a lot of us who were really into noise or punk or dub, even like indie stuff, really got into dance music, um, mostly because of the time, but also I think because of bands like yours. Um, and just watching the three of you play, it's it had more of like a visceral, like we had visceral, like very visceral reaction, very physical reaction. Because I think kids back then just sort of stood around, and like wiggled or like nodded their head. They didn't dance. And I remember going to, to watch you guys several times, and everybody danced for the most part. And and that was like a really cool, very different experience I think back then. So. You know, do you think that project with Miami sort of affected your interest in, in making dance music? Is that something that seems accurate to you? Um, not really, because I, I feel like <laughs> I kind of wanted to do it before. So I guess yeah. maybe making it like the other way around, like liking dance music, wanted to make, wanted us to make more like dance music instead of like we didn't start making dance music and then we're like oh we should make dance music it was more like we like dance music and tried kind of tried to carry it over in to rock i guess mm -hmm. for Be lack of a better word yeah because maybe before that yeah like you said it was more like hardcore um not so much um dance friendly as lame as that sounds but right so yeah, I think more listening to dance music made us want to do that instead of, so we were already on the path kind of to wanting to make dance music. Mm -hmm. And that was like the first step. Well, Miami was sort of like, it's almost like a band that's sort of hard to explain. I mean, besides being sort of a, a quote unquote rock band, because you guys incorporated dance music and you incorporated dub music and like a lot of aspects yeah. into like a live act. So it almost felt like. We were watching like a dance band, like a band that was like designed to to make dance music. I think at the time too, like there was kind of a lot of that going on. Like um, mm -hmm. Tussle, uh, these are powers started changing more dancey. So, um, uh, what is Hisham? Hisham from Black Dice. Um, mm -hmm. What was it called? Soft. I forget the name of his group, but like the that whole kind of era felt like indie bands were changing a little bit more to 
dance music. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you move on from Miami into your solo work, which is uh, you've been going by Magic Touch for quite a while. And so uh, you had this LP release on 100% Silk called Palermo House Gang <laughs> with all the cats. Um, and uh, and that was really heavy on collaboration. Like there were like, I think almost almost every track was like a collaboration. Like, yeah, is that, I think every track maybe. Is that is that sort of like working with other producers and, and other performers? Was that sort of fulfilling that kind of create? Like, does that fulfill you creatively more so than your solo work, or was that specifically for that project? Well, I think the the very first. Well, yeah, because the first record I did on Silk, 2011, had Honey Owens and Josh Anzano, and then did the one with the Japanese singer uh, Sapphire Slows. So I've always collaborated until recently I think. I think part part of it was a bit of uh, insecurities because I'm not like the best musician as far as like um, melodic structures and all this kind of stuff so I was like Josh played guitar, Honey played keyboards mm. and a lot of it was like sample based so part of it was wanting to have it be more musical mm-hmm. and yeah part of it was like just working with people helps me just helps me period but like it's easier to like finish stuff when there's like a mount like a solo or vocal arrangement it's a little bit easier to work with and yeah it's kind of uh i just enjoy working with other people too but uh lately i've been trying to do stuff more myself a little bit mm-hmm. after that um and you grew up in michigan so do, did you sort of growing up did you hang out in like the Detroit scene because there's just so much music getting released um, and so much innovation happening in the Detroit scene was that something that you got to to experience back then Uh, a little bit because they had a there was a club called uh, Motor and that was 18 and over so like we could go there and see like Derek May uh, Carl Craig so when I was like 18 19 my brother was really into Detroit Techno and, like, Plastic Man. He would go to, like, raves and, um... There were raves in Canada, like, Plastic Man would play. Oh, yeah. And then Plastic Man also played at the Ramada Hotel, like, midnight to, like, 6 in the morning. Mm-hmm. So there were a bunch of places we could go. Um, but I, th- I feel like it's been on... Um, I feel like there's much more going on now, like Omar S, Kyle Hall, Jay Daniel, all, all that stuff wasn't going on when I was there. It was more like these famous guys were playing in Japan and Europe, but not so much Detroit because they're. I think still like they're they don't play there that much. If they do, it might be like a five dollars show, but they're not like playing every weekend, and the scene is not like that strong as far as going out. It's more mm-hmm. like. Um, creatively it's good but they're all a little bit um isolated from each other i think a lot of them they have families and they're working and they're going on tour so i think they don't play in detroit that much just because it's hard to get people out and yeah people just don't want to pay for like going to the club yeah so they just kind of make music and play overseas and stuff but yeah, I did. My brother had a friend um, that played at raves, so I would go like, I would actually like go and sell candy. 
candy and water. So tight. When I was like 15, <laughs> he would pick me up and then take me. And I didn't really like it. It was like, I just thought the music was like really intense. But that was kind of when raves started um, dying in Detroit. Oh, well, Because yeah. it was, they were getting more mainstream. Like they would book like a, the headliner would be like Old Dirty Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Like some huge hip hop thing, so it was yeah. like it was getting kind of hard to make money, and so when I was like 16, that wasn't so much a thing. So I didn't really grow up in the rave culture, mm-hmm. and but yeah, I mean, I was, I did, I was able to see so much stuff like the festival, and uh, Kenny Dixon Jr. plays like he'll play like a five dollar party at like a bar. That's crazy. I remember seeing like him, Carl Craig, Scott Grooves, just at like a barbecue bar. <laughs> it's so rad. And then there were like Wednesday nights with really good DJ. Oh, Terrence, Terrence Parker, Terrence Dixon. One of them had played every Wednesday, so it's definitely around it. But um, I, mo- I moved when I was twenty-one, so. And yeah. that was to San Francisco, right? Or. I moved to Vancouver. You were in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to school for a year in uh, Vancouver. Mm-hmm. It was actually, it was my dad's idea. It was pretty smart. Because it was like, I, I was going to, I was studying fine arts, but I was like in the middle of nowhere in Michigan, and it was kind of just boring. So I was like, I want to go to art school, but it's so expensive. So my dad was like, oh, I have a, my dad's a counselor. So he had a student that went to school in Canada. And he's like, it's so cheap to go to Canada. I think I was paying... It was like $1,500 a year for an international student and like a really nice art school. That's amazing. So yeah, it was it was awesome. Like coming from Michigan just on the West Coast like really blew my mind. We're all going to go to school in Canada now. <laughs> like, I'm going to go to grad school in Canada. <laughs> we should, just we should go back, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, and when, how old were you when you started making music actually? Um, I started playing drums in... Middle school, so cute. Sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then now you're making dance music. So my brother, my brother played saxophone in band, and then he was yeah. really good at guitar. So he had, he had like a. They would practice in my basement at my parents' house, and then I was playing drums. Sixth grade, seventh grade. And then eighth grade, the teacher was like, oh, we're going to put you on a drum set because I wanted to quit because mm-hmm. it was just, I also was like playing sports a lot. So I was like, oh, I can't play football and be in the band. Then I would have to play like at halftime of the game. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's not cool. I'm gonna... But I also didn't really like it. Like it was getting too complicated, the music theory stuff. I can read music a little bit, but it was, I felt like it was just boring like reading and playing these songs and then so eighth grade came around and she said oh you can't play drum set for some reason but I was like learning my brother's friend taught me because I was like oh I'm gonna play the drum set next year so I was kind of taking lessons from my brother's friend Mm -hmm. Um, and my brother also inspired me to make dance music because when I was so when I was going away to university my brother's friend was like oh you're not gonna find anybody to play with it's going to be hard to find a band. You should get, like, a sampler. And he worked at Guitar Center. 
He was the one I would go to raves with. Right. <laughs> yeah, he was like, you should get a sampler and just do shit yourself. Or do stuff, sorry. You can say that. Um, yeah, and then I, I got the sampler, and that's actually the same sampler. I think I got that when I was 18, and I still have it. And that's what I made the ambient record on. It's a different one. Like, that one broke, but it's the mm-hmm. same same model. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, my brother was, like, the biggest inspiration for uh, wanting to play music and wanting to do electronic music. And so, uh, you know, we're for a long time you were making music as Magic Touch, which was really, like, really uplifting, really happy house music um, on some level. And then your most recent release is Clouds of David, which is completely ambient, which is dramatically different <laughs> than what you're doing before that. Yeah. So what kind of inspired you to make ambient music? Um, well, I did. I made it in university. I had this friend who was like a music encyclopedia kind of. And my brother's friend was too. Like he, he worked at a, it was called Harmony House. It's like a chain. Huh. But I would always go there and he was like turning on me, turning me on to ambient music like Oval and Vladislav Delay and kind of more European stuff. And yeah. then... So I was, I got really into it, and then university, I started making it, and I was making like CDRs and cassettes in my dorm room, I remember, mm-hmm. like darker ambient or just whatever, but I never really released it, and then after university, I didn't really play, like I moved to San Francisco, well after Vancouver, I moved to San Francisco, and I didn't really play for a long time, so I just kind of like stopped doing it. And then me and me started, so I was so busy. But I've always like liked it and made it a little bit, but just never really had the outlet. And then um, Richard from 1080p, he asked me a couple years ago. He's like, "Hey, if you have anything like more abstract or like different, let me know." And I was like, "Oh, that'd be cool," but I didn't want to force it. I didn't want to be like, "Oh, I'm gonna just like make something weird for him." So yeah, I just kind of forgot about it. And then. Um, started making it randomly at at um in los angeles and then i made the i think it's nine tracks and then i sent it to richard so i've always kind of been doing it but not never released it really i've never realized you know i've known you for a couple years so i've I've never realized this was an ongoing project this was like a kind of a long-term project kind of yeah but i stopped for a long time Mm -hmm. but yeah me and daniel and Jacob, too, who does Earth and Sea now. I mean, we've always loved it. Daniel has, like, a thing whenever we're on tour and I'm, like, hungover. He makes a sleepy time playlist. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, Damon's sleepy time list. And then he'll, like, go out in the city and do all this stuff. And I'll just uh. play his playlist and chill. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's really funny that it's, like, me and me, we're all doing similar stuff without really talking like earth and seas ambient itals techno but like has elements of ambience so it's it's kind of interesting how it all and is in a similar realm without really trying you know or like communicating about it well did that i feel like that you know i wasn't in the band so i don't know but it didn't seem like for us as listeners and as outsiders that that project ever really stopped happening it sort of feels like all of your solo work is just extensions of that project because I think when I listen to, to um, Earth and Sea and Jacob's project or, or when I listen to Daniel's music 
there are so many elements that I feel like Miami had also captured in in a much more constrained, less specific way. And now, you know, you guys are sort of venturing off into these projects that are very much related, it yeah. seems like. But that's actually, uh, when I met Daniel, we played, we both played at Adobe Books separately. <laughs> and he was playing like crazy guitar noise. Yeah. Not free jazz, but like, it's kind of noise guitar. Yeah. And then I was doing this. I think like, I remember um, that. Yeah. I had this like microphone on a piece of glass and was like doing this weird like percussion stuff with my friends. Uh-huh. And me and Daniel were like, yeah, we don't want to do this. That was the first time I met him. I was like, that was cool. And he's like, yeah, but I don't really want to do this anymore. And I was like, me neither. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then he came over and we just like listened to dance music and we're like, oh, we want to do something like more fun. Yeah. Because we were just, so yeah, we both had the background in, in um, kind of live uh, experimental music. Cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, speaking of um, future, or just like ongoing projects, but what's kind of up next for Magic Touch or for your solo project under your own name? Or if there's any other projects coming up too or yeah, releases? Um, Magic Touch, I have a record on um, Kenji Takimi's label, Crew L, and it's coming out on 12-inch in May. And then I'm doing an EP on Let's Play House from New York, uh, Jock Renault's label. And that's mm-hmm. with my friend um, from Shanghai. Like, we made all the music together in Shanghai because I always stay with him. And then, like, during the week, we're not really partying, just, like, working on music. But it's called um, Raffaello <laughs> Raffaello and Palermo. <laughs> 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 and the, the name of the album is going to be um, Two Guys from Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Or uh, the the quest for uh, calzone. <laughs> I mean, you are Italian, so it does make yeah, sense. Yes, we just w- I didn't want to do like Magic Touch featuring blah 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 because we you know we did it together, so it's not really featuring. It's like its own project. And then for the ambient, I'm gonna do a EP on uh, Itel's label, Lovers Rock, um, kind of tentative schedule, and I'm doing some touring both Magic Touch and uh, my solo project. I'm playing uh, live in Australia and Japan. Cool. And that's my first time playing live ambient. Exciting. Yeah. But um, other stuff not released. I've been working with my friend Craig singing. Um, Craig and my friend Amanda and uh, Nick who does a project Chromie. We've been making some stuff together and but yeah not sure about uh what more is going to happen with that? We'll see. Right. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to give the show over to Damon. Uh, he's got... What do, you, what do you have lined up for? Uh, I got some ambient. Some so older. Ambient. <laughs> so ambient. I got so ambient. I'm going to get so ambient. <laughs> we have a lot of ambient for you today on this lovely afternoon on Saturday. If you are hungover, this is an excellent way to get over that is just to listen to some great ambient music so i'm going to give the show over to damon eliza palermo uh you are listening to infinite beat i am Tobazu. this is radio valencia and uh damon eliza palermo right after this track thank you
And that was a mostly ambient set, I would say. Yep, 90%. 90% ambient, so-so ambient, uh, by Damon Eliza Palermo. Thank you for coming to the studio. We're actually going to end a few minutes early. Uh, what was that last track? So That so was uh, Alice Coltrane. I forget what the record's called, but it was um, it was a cassette she released, and it's like all her playing um, synthesizer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was reissued somewhere by uh, Alice Coltrane. So nice. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. R.I.P. Girl. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Uh, this is Infinite Beat, Radio Valencia. Have a good night. <laughs>